Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to the BEP. Today, me, Doe, is doing a Keeper League buy low and sell high special. I'm going to talk about in a bit more detail what those terms mean, but before that, I'm going to get into a bit of a, a theory I was taught by my uncle about what, what you need to do to make trades work, because quite often you hear about leagues where no trading happens, and there's a few reasons why I think that's the case. All right, so look, fairly obvious that if the people in the league aren't actually participating, then trading, not going to be easy, is it? But if you do have a league of people that really care, but you always seem to be struggling to do trades, uh, have a listen to this, and then this might help with uh, opening up some avenues for you. So there's this Japanese like business story or like fable kind of thing that goes, if there were two people who'd never met each other before, and one of them was given a piece of paper, and on it they had to write down between one and one thousand dollars. Whatever number they write on the piece of paper is shown to the other person and offered to them for them to take. The person's also given one thousand dollars, so whatever number they write, they get the difference of. So say they write five hundred dollars, and then they offer the five hundred dollars to the other person. They'll both get the $500, they could write $999 and get $999 himself and the other person gets $1 or they could write $1 and give the other person $999. So hopefully you catch my drift. If you don't, just rewind and listen to that again. But the rule of the game is if the person, after they write down on the piece of paper what they're going to give the other person, if the other person then declines the offer, both of them get nothing. So... A lot of people will say $500, that's the most common answer, and then the other person in the game will say, uh, you know, yep, you know what, that's a fair deal, I'll take the 500 But then also as humans, we're naturally selfish people, and a lot of people also say they want $999 for themselves, so they're going to offer the other person $1. And a lot of people at the time, the other person is like, oh, get fucked, I don't want a dollar. Like, I could have so much more. But the reality of the question is that if you say no to that $1, then you get nothing. So you're not making yourself better off by saying no. Like, technically, like, yeah, you've, you've gotten a stiff hand, but you could be in a better position after the game than you were before the game by taking the $1. And I think often with trades, the same thing applies a lot. People are always, they're so obsessed with trying to win the trade and win the deal that it makes trading really hard. So what you got to do when you're trying to get a trade across a line, first thing, the most important thing is ask yourself, does this trade genuinely help me? And then you got to ask yourself, does this trade actually help the other person? Because if you're sending out trade offers to another person, that aren't helping their team, why the hell would they accept it? So if you get on the basis that, yep, this trade helps me, this trade helps them, then they want to do the trade and then you're then you're like, yeah, bang, we're on. But say you get offered a trade by someone else and the trade helps them and it helps you but doesn't help you as much. So it helps the other person a lot, but it doesn't help you as much. Then you, you that's where I think a lot of trades fall into the trap of, okay, like, yeah, maybe uh, you could try and get more out of the other person. But at the end of the day, if the trade is going to make your team better, then you've probably got to pull the trigger. And I think a lot of people, if they adopted that mindset, they'd move their team along a lot more quickly. And yeah, obviously, you don't want to take unders in a trade in the sense of unders where it actually is detrimental to your team. Like, for example, you wouldn't want to trade McGrath for Lloyd this year because that's I think on averages they're like 13 points apart off the top of my head so that's like okay why would you do that 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 hurts your team uh 
and like i mean the youth questionable um but yeah all you got to consider really is does this trade make me better does this trade make them better if the answer is yes to both those questions then there's almost no reason the trade shouldn't happen like yeah always push for as much value as you can but if it's clear that you can't get any more then if the trade's going to make your team better i would just do it and before i jump into the the actual names of players that I'm going to talk about in this episode. I wanted to quickly touch on what I see buy low and sell high as. So buy low, I think it's a bit of a concept that some people, they look, they get too narrow focused with it. Like some people will look at James Sicily this week, for example, and they'll go, oh, he's a buy low, buy low guy. He's just got suspended for three weeks. He's going to miss the next three. Like I might be able to sneak him low. Like no, his value is still sky high. His value isn't genuinely low. I'm looking at guys who they have been consistently underperforming for a while and that you can look at as someone who generally, we're talking about keeper league, so I'm going to be talking mostly about guys that can help you next year. But also, I am going to mention a few names that might be able to help you in the run home if you're aiming to contend this year that you can aim to buy low. Conversely, sell high is something that you just got to be brutal with. So for example, uh, this time last year, I had Paddy Cripps in my team, but my team was an absolute basket case. I also had Aaron Hall. What I did with that trade was I flipped Cripps and Hall for Matty Real and Andy McGrath. At the time, it was a massive point swing, but I was honest with myself and I was like, yep, I'm definitely a seller at this trade deadline. I'm going to jump off those two guys, bring in a couple of younger guys through the door. What do you know? This year... Rao's having a better year than Cripps and McGrath's having a way better year than Hall because Hall's hardly playing. So you've got to have that really long-term view of going, if I'm shit this year, who would I rather have in my team this time next year? A guy like Cripps or a guy like Rao? And yeah, we're going to talk about a few examples of things like that for this year. So it's just always about having a really long-term mindset. Don't get stuck thinking about the week-to-week and be honest with yourself. If your team's shit and you're not contending this year, don't half-ass it. Gut the thing get some youth in and really give yourself the best chance of going forward for next year. You don't want to be like a perennial underperformer who's lower, low mid-table on the ladder. If you've got to really go aggressive and sell off some of your top end to get some youth through the door, then you do that. And yeah, now we'll get into the names and stuff. So we're going to start at Cromland. And the theme, if you haven't read the description, will be that I'm going to do one uh, buy low and one sell high for each team. And yeah, obviously, like every league, keeper league, very different. Like sometimes they have different scoring rules. The number of players they keep are different. The number of coaches in the league are different. So what you define a keeper might vary for like quite a few of these guys, but I'll try and make it as broad as I can. Uh, So the first guy that I think is a buy low candidate, genuine buy low candidate for the Crows is uh, Rochelle. So he's pretty much lost all his CBAs since round six. And he's averaging 65 since then. So I think coaches who have him, if they're kind of up the top end, they might be a bit more ready to jump off him and try and get someone through the door who's going to help them this year. But I mean, he was going at 92 before round six when he was getting CBAs. And I think like he's going to be someone who keeps forward status next year. I think he's a, a really great shout as someone that you can probably get a bit cheaper than... Like if you tried to trade for Rochelle in round six, it would have cost you an arm and a leg. He's come out the gates flying. 
young player in his second year. He's hit a bit of a wall lately, playing much more of a forward role, which will probably continue for the rest of the year. But you think about gets another preseason under his belt. Crow's probably looking to keep adding speed through that midfield. Like that's why Barry and Crouch aren't, and even Schoenberg aren't playing at the moment. They're looking for really dynamic guys that can go through there and really give them something. And Rochelle is exhibit A of that. And uh, yeah, speaking of the Crows, the sell high guy I have there is actually um is Laird. So this is one we talk about. Like if you're if you are in the flag window right now, you're not trading Laird. He could be the highest averaging player in the comp in the run home. So yeah, you don't want to do that. But if if you are probably like being honest with yourself, like hey, I'm probably not good enough to compete this year. I would absolutely be trying to sell Laird. So he's 29, and I think he'll age well. I think he'll age kind of like a Pendles type in terms of he's he just knows how to find the footy. He'll keep running for his plus sixes. Like his tackle numbers may start to dip eventually, but he's probably got another three years left playing in the midfield, and then maybe he'll uh, start spending some time at half back. But he like he should age well. But if you can flip him for someone young, someone like a Sammy Walsh or something. Then I think I think that's your move. So like Dawson's three years younger. Saligio looks like he's going to be a gun. Rochelle will get more midfield time. As I said before, Barry and Schoenberg they're trying to really build their outside game. So if they if they pick that up, then like maybe Laird does start spending some time at halfback again in the next couple of years. Um, so yeah, you can't see him dropping off a whole lot. But what you can got to consider with sell high is hey, is his value ever going to be higher than it is right now? Answer to that is probably a no. So if you want to maximize the value of a dude like Rory Led, like now is your time to jump off. So going to the Lions, uh, Dev Robertson's the one I've listed as a sell low, uh, a buy low dude. So he's out of contract this year, which is really interesting. There's a fair chance I would say that he would leave. He is a bit average uh, last week against the Swans, but... Like, he had a 96 in the prelim against the Cats last year. So, he obviously, like, that's a, as good a sign as any for uh, what we need from a guy like him. And I think, like, if he's reading the tea leaves, he knows that Levi Ashcroft's going to come to the Lions next year in the draft. Uh, so, and then, like, obviously, Will was there too. They got Neil. They got Dunkley in. Like, I don't know if the, there's many midfield doors there for him. So, he, he'd be a fair chance of leaving. If he goes somewhere else, he could be someone who gets a good run at it and goes like 80 to 90. His VFL numbers are through the roof. So, uh, yeah, he's just just one to keep your eye on. In, in some leagues, I'm sure he's sitting on the waivers and in other in deeper ones, he might be one really worth considering. Uh, for the sell high guy at the line, so I've just got the cricket on in the background too, so trying to uh, not react to it too much. But, yeah, hopefully we can get Harry Brook out nice and early. Um, yeah, with Lockie Neal, Similar reasons to Laird. So Neil's now 30, and like I'd be stunned if he has another season over 110. Like I think he's probably hit his ceiling, and his probably value is still high enough, especially because he's in a bit of form now that you could trade him for someone. Like if you if you could trade him for Will Ashcroft, like you got to be honest with yourself. Next year, maybe Neil still averages more than Ashcroft. Probably gets pretty close. Year after that, it's got to be Ashcroft for sure. So, yeah, really play the long game here and be smart. Like, the value of these these older guys, as soon as they kind of come down a rung, they come down fast and hard. And, uh, 
and yeah, their value, it's once it's gone, it's gone. Like you can't do much with him. You kind of, you just got to ride him and uh, you want to maximize it and turn it into someone whose value will probably go up, which speaking of uh, Sammy Walsh. So I have him as the buy low guy for Carlton. So his value will still be really high, but I think owners who have him, they're, they're probably going to start just getting a bit angsty with him. So he's gone 103 last year, which which is really good, but it's not like, it's probably a bit unders for what we think Sam Walsh can do. And at the moment this year, he's just going over 100. So he's sort of just going again. Um, well, not just going, like he's, he's still playing great, but his mid-field numbers, is it's not as high as it should be at the moment. And and yeah, like I think owners might be getting a bit frustrated. But what we know that those owners might be overlooking is that he's pretty much had no preseason two years in a row. And I think he really could be one who, like, surely he's definitely got some 110 years in him. And as I sort of said, like, if you can convince a, a Walsh owner and you've got Neil or Laird or something, I'd be absolutely doing that trade every day of the week because his value will be sky high for the next decade but at the moment it could be the lowest that it is for that next 10 years sort of time frame uh, and yeah at Carlton the acres his average is just his average is way overinflated this year and uh, like Holland is the number one winger there a lot of Carlton fans are pretty pissed with acres because he's doesn't use the footy that well and like wingers are just a really typical volatile scoring position so his value should be pretty high at the moment because he's having such a high-scoring year, but I cannot see that staying up. And um, Nathan Lyons has been tonked off this over. I'm going to take a little break, and I'll be back with Collingwood. And you won't notice anything, though. All right, on to the pies. And, uh, yeah, maybe we'll be speedrunning a few of these guys because I, I don't think there needs to be too much said about them. So I found it really hard to find a buy low in the Collingwood system. Like, I think they're all sort of playing to their full potential, which for a lot of them means that their scoring is suffering because it's it's a system that does play pretty fast and sort of that really strangling like it it is it is very similar in the defensive sense to what we saw Richmond doing in terms of the pressure and the hunting the footy and the coming forward to defend and like making turnovers happen in in their front half instead of in their back half the difference probably is in the ball movement a bit it's Collingwood aren't get it forward at all costs like if if they need to go slow, they do, but they love to bite off the middle and stack it with runners, which is what the Cats were doing a lot last year. And yeah, as a result, like it's not a system that's super conducive to like a wide range of guys scoring well. They'll have a couple guys that do do really well, but beyond that, they'll uh, have a lot that sort of just middle between the 70s and the, and the 90s. Uh, but the probably the one that I, I thought might be a bit of a buy low for the rest of the year could be Crisp. So, obviously, he's coming off the monster score, which maybe puts his value up a bit. But, like, he's definitely significantly underperformed his production historically. And, like, I don't think there's anything to suggest that he's going to get anywhere near those heights of over 100 again. But if he can even just get back to, like, 90, 85 to 90, will be huge for you in the run home. Probably can pick him up pretty cheap at the moment. Love Paddy Cummins bowling Yorkers in a test match. It's it's twenty twenty three guys, and uh, yeah, Pendles is he's the one I'd be selling high on just because like he's a genuine chance to retire after this year. So obviously in a keeper league, if he retires, he's got no value anymore because he's done. 
And yeah, if, if you're in contention though, as for a lot of the sell high guys, I wouldn't be selling high on him. Uh, there'll be a few sell high guys though that uh, you can you can get on. So sell high for me, that sell high, sorry, that even if you are in contention, you can jump off. But the whole point of like someone whose value is high is that they're probably going to be good for the rest of the year too. So it kind of is, is hard in that sense. Um, on to the Dons. So I've swapped it now in the way I wrote my notes. And now sell high is first, buy low is second. So sell high for the Dons is Nicky Martin. So he's probably been the best winger in the comp this year. But you know what playing on the wing means? It means that you lose your forward status. So if he loses his forward status, all of a sudden he's a mid who's averaging 87. Yeah, that's a keeper. But the difference between a forward averaging 87 and a mid averaging 87 is enormous. And I just don't think... I think people might look past that if you can uh, capitalize on that and, and ship him off. They'll look at, oh, this guy's a forward. He's had like four tons in a row. He is killing it. Yep, I'm going to absolutely trade for him and give you something that they probably shouldn't. And uh, yeah, you can probably win out there. So he's probably probably near his ceiling anyway. And he'll be fine as a keeper mid for a long time. But uh, yeah, as I said, he'll be a mid and not a forward. So if you can pounce on that, then I would be. And uh, yeah, the buy low guy for the Don. So this is mainly predicated on if Mason Redden leaves. But I think McGrath would become the main distributor back there. And like he's not the best kick of the footy. So it could be someone else go through there. But the upside's there. And maybe he's not by low necessarily, like his value won't be super low at the moment, but the projection is there that it could increase a heap. So you kind of got to weigh that up there in terms of, yeah, it's a bit low, it could go up a lot more, but even if it doesn't go up a lot more, it will have the same role next year, it'll just average 80 again, so you don't lose too much with him. On to our Freo, this is one of the sell high guys that, even if you are a contender, I'd probably be looking at jumping off. So, uh, it, well, first of all, if you're a contender, I'd jump off. And if you're a non-contender, I'd jump off. I would just jump off for sure off Luke Ryan. So, Ryan is having a career-high year by nine points. And for someone who's in, like, his mid to late 20s, that is a massive jump. And I think the draft doctors talk about it a bit. Regression to the mean is coming with him. So since round six, and keep in mind, we're up to round 15 now, he's only had three scores over 90. So he is tumbling back down after he came out of the box flying. Value should still be high. And I mean, he's a keeper anyway in a lot of leagues. But yeah, I'd be looking to jump off him while, he, while his value probably still is high before that average starts to get a bit lower and people start to question it a bit more. Uh, buy low for the Dockers. So Erasmus was real good coming on as a sub. And I mean, his, his waffle numbers haven't been amazing, but he just looks like a guy, like I talk about it with Miller a bit on the pod, but he just, he looks like a guy who he just knows how to play footy. He, he hunts the footy as well from what I've seen of him at AFL level. And, I think he could get very, very, very valuable very, very fast if he nails down a spot on the side. He's, uh, his value would be super low at the moment, but there's every chance he comes into the 22 this week and he might get a midfield role and he could just go bang from there. Even if he doesn't, he's one who, with another preseason under his belt, I'd love to have uh, ready to jump on next year. But 
Big uh, Long Mueller can be a bit slow, kind of giving mids the reins, like young mids the rein. Probably took Sarong a year or two too many when he was probably ready for it. But uh, he was being held back a bit with his time on ground and whatnot. So, yeah, hopefully the same doesn't happen to Erasmus. I'll uh, yeah, take another break here and be back with the Giants shortly. All right, and yeah, back with the Giants already. That didn't take long, did it? Uh, so, same as Nicky Martin. So, when we're looking at the selling high, like, when this guy loses forward status, like, geez, his, his value becomes a lot lower. So, Cogs it will lose his forward status. And he turns 30 later this year. So, he, he kind of hits that imaginary uh, wall of 30 that we uh, all seem to think players just start to stop when they get there. So, who knows with Cogs, he could be good after that, but he's someone who's had a lot of injury troubles through his career. So there's that risk with him. And then there's also just the fact that like a, a 100 averaging forward is completely different to a 100 averaging mid, like so much more valuable having the forward who does that. And I mean, with Green and Finn Callahan coming through, the, the value of those Giants mids is the rest of them probably gets a bit lower. They're going to be the main guys in there. And uh, Cogs has definitely shown that he's a really good forward in the past. So he could start to play a bit of that small forward role again in the next few years. And yeah, I just think his value is as high as it's ever going to be while he's a forward and probably time to capitalize, cash in on that value. And uh, yeah, Finney Callahan is the buy low I have for the Giants because he, like you think about what his value is going to be like this time next year. You can almost bet your bottom dollar it is going to be through the roof. So he's averaging 84 in his last four when he's actually been getting CBAs. Before that, he'd been on the wing basically all year. He's only in his second year. Like He could have a big finish to the year and he could be that one who even in the uh, classic world that we're all looking at as that third-year guy who's ready to go boom and go like 105. And if, if you have him on your list heading into next year, you're going to be a happy man. So a bit of background noise came through then. But yeah, sort of covered Finn Callahan with a bit of zest there. So onto the cattery. And uh, yeah, Paddy Dangerfield, I just don't know if it's going to work out for him this year with uh, his body. And who knows how long he's going to miss with their ribs and everything else internally had going on. So he definitely could be one who, like he, we've seen with Dangerfield before when he's been not quite right that he's come back and still bloody has a crack, but he spends a bit of time forward and maybe that happens again with him. And the cat season definitely isn't done yet, but they're, uh, they're going to want to get their act together. So you know Dangerfield will be cracking in. He'll be wanting to be back as soon as he can in the midfield, but I don't know if it's going to happen for him, And but maybe someone thinks it does. So I'd just... Probably test the waters for him and see if you can get anyone anyone to bite who thinks he can go big. But you could also, like, there's an argument that if he comes back and fires up, he could be really good. So you, you could argue that he's a buy-low candidate too. Uh, but I just probably, I just don't see that happening with him. But don't, if you, yeah, let's, like, I mean, me word's not gospel. So back yourself in. If you want to, uh, Maxi Holmes, gun, 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 gun. Like, I know he's only averaging 78 this year, but he is only 20. Uh, the lower average might mean that contending coaches are sappy, happy to sell him for guys who helped this year. But, like, really, he's 20, probably next 10 years until he's 30. I reckon he goes 90, 95 at worst case. And, like, you could probably trade him... Get it, trade if you have a mid who's going like 
85 at the moment, like a Jack Viney, whose value probably, who's probably that's his ceiling in the future. You could definitely flip homes for someone like Viney, and uh, you'd be you'd be very happy with yourself if you did that heading into next year and the years beyond that. Uh, so up to the Gold Coast, and Lockie Weller is the one who I have as a sell high. So speaking about regression to the mean, this bloke is 12 points over his career high. That is an enormous number. And I'd expect, if it doesn't go down this year, I'd expect it to go down next year. The Suns are loaded with pacey halfbackers. They've got three gun kids coming in the draft this year, and I just don't think there's any world that I can see Weller going like mid-90s again next year with his average. And yeah, he's just so far above what he's done before. And like he's a, he's a really good player, and he's fast and damaging and stuff, but typically it's not someone like that's not super conducive to fantasy scoring. Uh, obviously, he's been out for ages, so that probably hurts his value a bit too, but I think he's meant to be coming back soon, and especially with the Suns effort on Sunday they played. Uh, yeah, especially with their efforts yesterday. You'd think changes might be coming soon, so as soon as he's fit, he probably comes back in, and coaches might know that, and they might be keen to get this guy in, who they might even think that they're buying him at a low value because he's been out for so long, but little do they know that his average is way higher than it should be, and if you, you've listened to the BEP and you're, uh, you're ready to pounce on him and and get yourself a, a nice little upgrade in that trade. And yeah, Bailey Humphrey definitely is a buy low guy for the Sun, so he's had a few kind of down weeks on on what he'd done in the two weeks before that and i think coaches probably who have him they look at that and they might go oh this guy's not going to give me anything this year and then would i even keep him like hell yeah you should keep him but some people wouldn't and uh impatient coaches micro chasing points and that's sort of what you can where you can go with humphrey those first year guys they never really come out averaging that high except for the the few exceptions we've seen in the last couple of years but uh, that second-year breakout is real, and someone like Humphrey is scream second-year breakout, and yeah, I'd, I'd love to have him heading into next year, so he's a buy-low guy for sure. Uh, the Hawkers, Nug's team, if you remember Nug from the BEP, haven't heard from the bloke in a while on the potty, but no, nah, he's he's going well for anyone who's interested. He's uh, yeah recovering from his, his knee, Rico, uh, pretty well, moving house this week and stuff, so he's a busy, busy man. Uh, Nashi for the Hawks, so Nugs Mob. He, I think he's just a bit of a stopgap at the moment onto the the Hawks' best midfield. So he, he he's a fantastic tackler and big physical presence and stuff. And he sort of like he is actually only 24, so probably the best is yet to come from him. But I'm not sure the best is ever much more than 82. They've got a lot of guys who you'd say have a bit, have a fair bit more upside than him coming through. Like in terms of your, your Connor McDonalds, your Cam McKenzies, your Giant Newcombs, your Will Days of the world, uh, probably have a bit more upside than Nash, who's probably pretty one-dimensional in terms of that big tackling contested mid. Who, uh, yeah, definitely could lose that spot. And if he loses that spot, he probably loses his place in the team. So. He his value is probably reasonably high at the moment in terms of what it will be over the course of his career. So yeah, good chance to capitalize on that and jump off. Dillmore is the one I have to buy low for the Hawks. So he's been back higher up the ground lately. Um, he's averaged eighty nine. 
wait, I know he's averaged 100 in his last three, I think, but he's averaging 89 on the season. So in my eyes, when you're looking at the guys who are going to retain forward status at the top end, McRae and Bailey Smith both will. Um, Errol most likely will. It's a bit tough to know because when you look at his CBAs, he spends a fair bit of time on the wing and at half forward as well. So it's hard to know what his forward split is. But let's assume that Errol loses forward status because he plays a lot of mid and wing. Then we're looking at McRae and Bailey Smith as the top two. Moore could finish higher than Smith for sure. Uh, and then, yeah, Moore would be the like third highest averaging forward heading into next year. And like you want to be all over that. And yeah, they probably, people probably look at the forwards. Like, like if you had a guy like Cogs, I would absolutely trade him for Dylan Moore. He, Moore's going to be a forward for the rest of his career. He averages 90, like, or, and I mean, that's almost worst case with him. He could, he could go into the midfield and become a 100 guy. So he, for sure, I would be jumping on his value. Just like, he's been a little bit down on last year. Coaches probably had higher hopes for him this year. So it could be the chance to, uh, could be the chance to do it. For the Ds, I just couldn't find a sell high anywhere. Like, I mean, the value of Gorn and Grundy is already plummeted. Petrarca and Oliver, I wouldn't consider sell highs because they're just going to keep bundling. Like, maybe you could look at Viney, but, I mean, he probably will do this again next year. So, I don't know if his value is as high as it could be next year because next year he could play even better. Obviously, it could be worse, but I just, I don't, I think if you've got Viney, unless you are like really shit and you're rebuilding, then I would trade him. But in any other case, I would keep him because you will probably want to keep him. And I mean, even though we talk about how important having forwards are instead of mids, mids don't grow on trees either. So you you want to keep him around if you can. Uh, the buy low guy for the Ds is probably on the waivers in a bunch of leagues. And that is James Harm. So the D's rate him, but he's struggled. I mean, and we've seen in the past what he's done for them, but he's struggled on the field a bit this year. And he's had plenty of stuff happen off the field too, unfortunately. Like nothing uh, nothing like a Tyron Thomas or Dugowie situation, but um, he's, yeah, he's missed a bit of time with the club and stuff. So he yeah, he's interesting. There's no guarantee he gets back in there, but he's someone who his value would be so damn low that if he comes back in and uh, could like pinch hit in a midfield role, he could definitely average eighty in the run home. So he's one who if you're a contender looking to improve your team this year, I'd be I'd be happy to jump on him. And uh geez, Cummins ball to get out uh Pope was an absolute seed of a ball. It was elite stuff. Uh, on to the Roos, the other Melbourne team, the Melbourne and North Melbourne, the Roo boys, Jackie Zebel. So I've got someone trying to trade me him in a in a league at the moment. I'm not having a bar of it because he's only averaged 85 in his last five, which that is not great. And he might not even go 90 for the rest of the year. And then after this year, I don't even consider him a keeper. Like, we have no idea what his role will be next year, slash if he'll even be... Yes! Lion just got root out. That is huge. Come on, the Aussies. Uh, yeah, that is awesome. I'm I'm bloody stoked with that. We needed that bad. Uh, yeah, but Zebel abandoned ship uh, for sure. Even if you're a contender, I think you might be able to flip him for something that helps your team more in the run home than Zebel does, I think. Uh, London Bridge is coming down with Zebel. He just like 
his average is inflated a bit from that massive game. And yeah, his last few weeks just haven't been great. And yeah, like super valuable with that forward defender this year. But if you can get someone who you're confident goes 90 plus for Zeeble, that's what I would do. Uh, and yeah, come on, Gaza, huge wicket. Speaking of someone who used to play for the Ruse, they're so high. And I'm going to pick the energy back up, guys, for this last little bit. So don't worry. For the the uh, power, I'm going to say this, sell high within reason. So do definitely do not undersell this guy because I am almost 100% sure he's going to go on to average 100 plus in the future. But he is only averaging 70 this year. He is probably, I'm like 95% sure, going to lose forward status. So nearly anyone, no matter how good they are, when you go, they only average 70 and they're a mid, can I afford to keep them? For a lot of dudes, the answer is probably no. For this guy, it's a maybe. And it is Horn Francis. I really don't... Like, if you're in a league with limited keepers, there's no way you'd keep him. If you're in a crazy deep league, then you obviously would keep him. If you're in one of those leagues, it sort of falls right in the middle in that sweet, beautiful spot of about 15 to 14 keepers with 8 to 10 coaches. That's probably where you go, hey, do I keep him? It's a You have to ask yourself the question. And there might be someone who is all over this kid and sees him play and knows how good he's going to be because he will be a gun and they plan on keeping him. But then he comes out next year and he, he's still because he's such a bull and fast and powerful player he might still not be ready to start really accumulating footy uh, and he'll still be like finding his way a bit especially with Butters and Rosie around and then they go oh shit I shouldn't have kept him and then you've meanwhile you've traded him for someone like uh, I can't think of someone who'd be around his value in a trade maybe someone like uh, I don't think anyone would give you like Ashcroft for him but if someone could give you Will Ashcroft for him you just, you just do that for sure. And yeah, that's sort of where I sit with Horn Francis. Uh, Dill Williams is is one I've got as a buy low, but I think you're going to struggle to get super cheap value for him. I, he's someone that I just see so much upside with. So he's got that forward defender at the moment that he'll lose, and that'll really hurt him. But he's out of contract this year because he was rookie listed, which means he can pretty much go wherever he wants. And... Let's just say he went somewhere where he became the number one distributor because he is a beautiful kick of the ball and someone where they wanted him to be the guy who has the ball in his hands coming out of the back line. He could have a a massive jump and go 90 in a season and you could be laughing about it. So he's someone, yeah, who I really, really like and he's such a good kick of the footy and user that they could be the power could be happy with, uh, or if he leaves the power, definitely could be someone that you look at. Even if he stays a port, you probably keep him anyway. This this year sort of been the first year that he's been AFL level fit. He's going to get even fitter. You'd think over the preseason, he should come back next year really ready to uh, sort of make that uh, spot his own. Which is, I mean, he's already done, but take it to a next level. So yeah, another little break here, and then I'll go for the Tigers. All right, we're hustling now, but we're almost at the end. And then I've got a few questions from some people. So uh, Timmy Taranto is, crazily enough, I have him listed as a sell high. So 
there's every chance that this will be the best year of his career. He's probably, um, I think we've seen quite a lot recently. And I mean, if you look back historically, the stats back it up too. But we've seen a lot of guys who their averages come down the year after they've had that one massive year. And that absolutely could happen with Torino next year. Like Laird by no means has had a bad year this year, but he's only averaging 104. Last year, he was up 120 something. So you think about Torino next year, he, he could just come back a peg. And if he comes back a peg, then all of a sudden that value becomes lower. He loses forward status this year. His value becomes lower. Goes into the midfield and doesn't average as high. His value is much lower. Right now, you could make a case to say he's the most valuable player in the game of fantasy at the moment. He's a forward who is averaging through the goddamn roof. And in the form of his life, probably leading the Brown though at the moment, if we're being honest. But if you could flip him for like a, uh, let me think, like a, a Sam Walsh and a Max Holmes or something where Walsh and Tirano are probably close in average for the rest of their career, but Holmes also gets up to 100, then all of a sudden you've turned Tirano into Holmes and Walsh who average both over average over 100 and Tirano averages over 100 and all of a sudden you've turned one into two then that's what you go for. You definitely, there is not a single player, except for like Tom Green, probably not even that, that I would trade Torano for. But yeah, as I said, there's not a, really any player that you would trade Torano for in a straight swap. But if you can get a bundle coming back your way that uh, improves your team for next year, then I think your answer is pretty simple there, guys. Um Still at the Tigers, so Shy Bolton, similar to Dillmore in terms of his value is really high right now. I think his last two months of footy have been outstanding, and he could be the one that hurts Taranto in terms of taking votes off him over that time period because he's just been so goddamn good. But he will perennially have forward status, and he'll pretty much always be a top 10 forward. His value should be sky high at the moment probably is sky high but it could get even higher because he could go to levels beyond this and i mean if he becomes a full-time midfielder and averages over 100 that's better than the forward averaging 86 so yeah massive massive fan of what shy has done lately and if you got the chance to jump on him then i i would be and he, you're probably gonna have to give up a bit for him but i think it's worth it uh on to the saints so Brad Crouch is 29, but he's the sort of guy that could get squeezed out of a midfield pretty fast. Like, he's kind of one-paced, uh, and he's a real trier, but he, the Saints will probably look to get a bit more speed through there in the future years. And I think I think Owens might end up still going through the midfield. He he genuinely could end up as, like, a five guy. He screams that to me. He started his career this sort of very similar way that Fife did. Um, and then, yeah, you got, like, Bytel, like, I don't know if he's going to make a player of himself, but he's he's around the mark. Windhag is going all right. You got Gresham, if he hangs around there, and, uh, like, Filippo will start going in the midfield and stuff. So where that leaves Crouch, I don't know. And Steele is definitely not looking great this year. And anyway, he's sort of is a bit slow, and I don't think a midfield with Crouch and Steele both in it is super effective. So, yeah, we could we could lose Crouch in the future out of that midfield and then obviously his value would go down really low and at the moment it should, it's pretty high and he's probably going to finish the year really strongly he's averaging over 100 and he's going to have a really good role and should score well with still hurt 
But yeah, I, I don't think his value is that high beyond this year. So I'd be jumping off him if you weren't a contender this year. And I mean, Steele is just the perfect candidate for a buy low. He coaches will be pissed with him. He's probably going to struggle for the rest of the year. Uh, and I mean, there is a chance he turns it around and then you've you've got value this year too. But heading into next year, if you could if you could have a, a Jack Steele instead of a, a Jake Lloyd or something, I think you're pretty happy with yourself. So if you've got that chance to jump off Steele, uh, sorry, to jump on Steele, then I would be for sure. I reckon I've said jump a hundred times in this episode. Talking by yourself for 40 minutes is bloody hard, guys. Uh, Jakey Lloyd. So I'm just going to shred through these ones. Um, getting a bit tired by the end of this. So Lloyd is 29. I can't see him ever having a bigger year than this again. Not that he's having a big year, but I mean, he's come down from those sort of two massive years that he had. And yeah, I think he his value is as high as it will be. And yeah, it could be a good time to jump off him, especially like Blakey. He's becoming the number one guy back there too. And if Braden Campbell sort of, I think he's been playing higher up the ground, but if he does end up going back, then I think we'll see Lloyd kind of lose, not lose his spot, uh, but lose that distributor, like really main dude, which Blakey, I think, has taken over already anyway. Uh, Laddams, I'm just going to read out what I have written. Hickey looks like he is shot, and Pete had some fantastic games this year. He was averaging 86 in non-injury affected games, which pretty comfortably makes him a top 10 Ruckman. Um... And in some of those games, he had really tough ruck matchups. I think he played Gaundy. I think he played Witt. Uh, I think he played Riki, Reeves, and Meek. Um, and yeah, some other tough ones in there. So he's to be confirmed. So he could be out for the rest of the year, but he's one who you'd probably keep if you're in a uh, if you don't have a good ruckman at the moment. So yeah, look at him. And I didn't read out what I had written. I went way extra as per usual. Elliot Yo for the Eagles. I mean, if you don't, for sell high, if you don't trust the body, absolutely abort the ship now. You can probably rope someone into it who thinks that he's got himself right. And I I hope he has for his sake, but I struggle to believe it because he's had so many troubles over the past few years. And yeah, he, um, yeah, I'd be pretty happy if you could get good value for him. People were going to look at him as sort of mid to late 20s, could go 90 the rest of the year, someone that they would keep as a defender. But if he keeps getting injured, his value will just drop low forever. So could be the time to jump off, but could hurt you too. Um, Gaff, if you're alive as a contender, could do worse than taking a flyer here. He's obviously never going to get back to the heights of his career, but he, he, he could go 80 in the run home. He's been pretty shit this year. But West Coast, they're getting a lot of cattle back soon, and I'm sure they'll get more injuries once they get players back. But if they don't get more injuries, then they might be a bit more competitive in the second half of the year. And I think as a result, Gaff would benefit from being able to get more footy and being able to go and play his outside role again. He's been having to play inside this year because of their kind of lack of uh, availability. Um, Bailey Dale is one I have listed as a sell high for the dogs. So I think one, his scoring will come down in the back half of this year. Once Richards and JJ come back as it was when they were both playing earlier in the year. And then I think in the future, both of those guys are still going to be in the back line with Dale. And yeah, he's, I can't see him. I don't know if I ever see him getting back above 90, to be honest. 
and he's been really good lately with those two outs. So you could do worse than than uh, trading him out. Uh, and yeah, the last one I had listed before I get into some of the questions was that Baz has had a really lean last four, but showed what he can do before a lock for forward status again. So yeah, sort of my notes there really sums it up. And yeah, thanks for listening so far, guys. I'll get into some of the questions now. All right, so I've had just a bunch of names that people have asked about. And yeah, I'm going to do my best to give some insight on them, but I haven't been able to research these as, as well as some of the other guys before. So Took, uh, in terms of a buy low, sell high prospect, I would just be, his value isn't as high as I think it will get back to at some point. And I mean, you could probably buy him a bit lower than his value is. So if you're looking at it like that, which is probably the way I'll just do these, like, is their value lower than it should be? Or is it higher than it should be? And I think his is probably a smidge lower than it should be. So I wouldn't trade him uh, because you're probably not going to get as much value as you should for someone like Took. But it's, yeah, you could you could try and pounce on him. Uh, Hobbsy, I think his value is probably about fair enough right now, to be honest. He going really well. His value should be high as a young mid who's probably going to keep forward status. But yeah, like maybe if you're a contender and you wanna you wanna move him for someone who really helps you move the needle this year, then you could do that. I think he always, his average will probably come down in the back half of the year with Parrish coming back and Setterfield coming back not too far away. Um, but yeah, he's one to watch. Keys definitely a sell high. His value is really high at the moment now that he's pumping out some big scores back in the midfield but I do not think for a second that he will play in the midfield beyond this year they they don't need him in there they've got so many guys coming through that yeah I think he he won't go into the midfield and he'll go back to that sort of forward role that he was playing earlier this year and and yeah he his value is he won't get higher than it is at the moment and uh Wardlaw he would be probably fair enough. I don't think anyone's giving you to him for cheap. They might be pissed off after you score on the weekend and you can get him a bit cheaper. Pooh versus Wilmot. So I'm not sure what this means for a buy low, sell high thing, but I'm going to assume that just means maybe if like you've got a chance to trade or a waiver pickup or something or who you keep. Either way, Pooh, absolutely. He projects as someone who... If he goes into the midfield, like he he looks like he's gonna he's got a knack for sort of the footy ending up in his lap. He's playing a role as like a pseudo key forward at the moment, almost like he's running and jumping for marks. Like he he looks like a player. He can kick more than fifty meters pretty comfortably for set shots if it's a dry footy. Uh yeah, love love him and uh, him every day. Uh, Ashcroft, his value. Like, he's one who you might be able to sneak off a contender for a bit cheaper because they might be like, give me some immediate help. But, I mean, if you've got a guy like Lockie, as I said before, you got Lockie Neal and someone else has Ashcroft, you do that trade every day of the week. And, yeah, what the other one is where can I catch the app when it comes out? Right here, If you, hopefully you listen to it. The other ones I've got are from my other host, Miller, who's asked about Carl Amon. So, Amon... Um, I would definitely buy low here. So he's he hasn't had a great year, but I think when the Hawks get better, he's going to start racking up the footy again. Like he he's such a good user of the ball that they want it in his hands. And I actually, I'm going to go try and trade for him after this episode. Hadn't even thought about him, to be honest. 
Love, love Carl Amon. One of my favorite players. Um, Tom Powell. Yeah, the North midfield core is strong. Like, they've got Wardlaw. Sheasel should go into the midfield. LDU will come back. Uh, Taz, who knows what happens with him. Greenwood's giving them a bit through there at the moment. Simpkins giving them a bit. They'll draft someone else. Uh, Braden George is another one who they all love. So, yeah, Tom Powell. And, oh, Phillips is another one going through there too. Powell, I just probably... I can't see why anyone would keep him, so I would be jumping off him. But, yeah, without further ado, that, that ends the app here, guys. So if you've got ever got any Keeper League questions, always happy to answer them. I probably find it more interesting than classic, to be honest. Hope you learned something. Hope you had fun, and hopefully we can get Stokes and Brooke out, and we can have a good night. Go the Aussies, and go everyone who listened.